This is the Employee to Entrepreneur podcast, the show for the family man who's looking to escape the rat race. So if you're a young husband or a father who's looking to build his side business to replace his W-2 income so that he can spend more time with his family, you're in the right place. I made the show for you because I am you. I'm your host, Brendan Ryan. And today I'm joined by my good friend, Nico Santana, who is a creative entrepreneur himself. He was one of the very first guests that I had on this podcast, and he's actually does the editing for this podcast as well. He's been a dadpreneur for the last five plus years, and we're gonna have a conversation around dadpreneurship in general and the challenges that come with being a dadpreneur. Yeah, this is actually the second time you've been on the podcast. Been meaning to have you back because you're a true dadpreneur. Been at it for longer than I have. But for the sake of the people that um, didn't hear episode two <laughs> or whatever it was, um, can you give us a brief rundown of your journey? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, Brandon said it. I'm Nico, uh, dadpreneur. Um, I started out in the music space, progressed over the years to selling my services from everything that I learned as a musician, as an artist, or want to be musician and artist, and using that to essentially leverage my time and my resources uh, to launch my business. Um, and so NTS Media LLC was founded right around 2017. I've um, handled client projects ranging from, you know, monthly retainers and continuous projects to um, handling one-off shoots for big brands like Dell Technologies, um, DistroKid, a music distribution company, uh, BMW uh, dealerships, um, and the like. So, yeah, still trying to figure it out. You know, some people say that I've made it or I'm further ahead than they are, and I have conversations heart to heart with a lot of dadpreneurs. And honestly, I'm 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 in, I'm in the same boat. So it's it, you know we're not too far ahead or too 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 distant apart rather. For sure. You know, when you're just talking right there, something popped in my head that I didn't consider before, but. Uh, you were doing the entrepreneur thing even before you became a father, right? Yeah. So I always envisioned myself as a business owner, at least when I was a kid, right? There, I mean, you, you, you have like daydreams of like what you want to be when you grow up. I wanted to be a basketball player. I stopped growing. <laughs> so that wasn't going to be a thing. Um, I wanted to uh, go to the moon. I wanted to be an astronaut. And of course, it's just like you you have a better chance getting struck by lightning <laughs> than going to the moon, right? Uh, so all these like different things. But because, and we touched on this on episode two, my dad's dad, and I, and I, I think lineage and genetics and, and where you come from have a lot to kind of play into as, in terms of like where you end up as, as a person. Um, my dad's dad was a entrepreneur in Colombia. He started his business in sales and then progressed and grew this multi-million dollar um, company. And so I kind of envisioned my life similar to his in some in some respects. So I would always do like these little side hustles, high school, post-college. Uh, when I didn't have jobs, I just had clients and I would, you know, sell my services. So yeah, before I had kids, um, before I had a full-time job, post-college, I, I essentially was just grinding and, and selling my services. So you having done it both as a dad and as a young gun, um, you know, as a bachelor, do you think that the way that you viewed it um, or the way that you approached it changed at all between, you know, before and after having a kid? And if so, how? Yeah, that's a great question, Brennan. I think, well, first off, I, I had a conversation with a 
So, so for the record, I'm not a full-time entrepreneur. Um, I just want to set that straight um, and, and not give kind of a, a false narrative here, but um, I have a, I have the flexibility and I'm very fortunate that I have the flexibility to work from home as a software engineer. But um, I do, there's an office, um, the company that I work for, there's an office local to me. So every now and again, I like to pop in. Um, it gives me an opportunity to kind of be in front of other people, a different demographic, and just talk to, you know, guys that are kind of either a couple steps behind me in terms of like trying to figure things out in the company or what have you. So I was talking to this guy. He's probably, I want to say he's like four years younger than me, second baby on the way. And, you know, we're talking about how for him, he, it's not like he didn't have any career ambitions or life aspirations, but as soon as baby number one, um, popped up, you know, him and his wife, it just lit a fire in him that gave him kind of the sense of purpose that he felt like he was missing. Like he was fine, kind of satisfied with where he was status quo. Um, you know, working a nine to five, nothing too crazy. But there was something about becoming a dad that all of a sudden flipped a switch on him. And he's like, yo, I, I got to provide for two people now, his wife and his his, his child, right? Um, their whole end game was to have her be stay at home. That was, you know, kind of by choice, their choice together collectively. And so he knew that he had to drastically increase his income. So for me, I had this conversation maybe five, six years ago with a mutual friend of ours, uh, Brendan Lucio. And we were talking to like, how do you scale your income without working like a hundred hours a week, right? Like you're getting paid per hour. So how do you, how do you actually start to break into the six figures plus, you know, if you're maybe not, uh, you know, you don't have a doctorate or you don't have like advanced education. And even then, like you're probably taking a ton of loans out for that, but how do you, how do you get there? Um, and it wasn't until maybe this past like season past couple six, like six months or so where I realized it's either sales or entrepreneurship. So going back to your question, I didn't realize what I had in front of me with entrepreneurship, number one, back before I was a dad. Um, I didn't know how to navigate it. I don't think I had the emotional intelligence to really navigate that appropriately. I didn't have any mentors. It wasn't really like as glorified as it is now. So it was something that I thought, you know, I can keep it in my back pocket, but let me get a traditional nine to five job, provide some stability. And then, you know, if I have time, I'll do the, the, the entrepreneurship grind. But once I had my son, man, it was, just, it, again, that, that flip switched and I got to provide for two mounts now. Then my daughters were born. It's like, I got to provide for a family of five. How do you do that? I really feel like entrepreneurship, unless you, you have a high, you know, high, um, salary job. And even then you don't have a, a ton of autonomy. I really think entrepreneurship is going to be that thing for, for most people. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I said a whole lot there. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, I actually didn't expect you to say that. I thought that um, my impression of you, I mean, maybe you were, it was just in like a different sense because you were um, very focused on music, right? Yeah. Like at that time, which I consider, you know, kind of a form of entrepreneurship. Um, and so like, I thought that, you know, you had that drive, you had that dream and that hustle well before you had your first kid. Um, but you know, you brought up your friend there with them having their first kid and then that lighting a fire underneath them. And that I can completely relate to. Like, I really resonate with that. That was, that's me a hundred percent. Like, yeah. not to say that like I ever liked pharmacy. I never did, never liked it. Um, but it wasn't until I had my first kid that I was like, all right, I really have to do something different. Like I have to figure this out. 
That's when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's when I created my first LLC. Like, so that was only three and a half years ago, you know, um, when I finally first started trying to do that and doing, um, you know, Amazon stores and digital marketing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you also mentioned something else that kind of caught my attention there when you were talking about like how it didn't, it wasn't as glorified back then. So what have you noticed with regards to that? Like over time have, has it become more and more glorified on, on the internet money space? Yeah, it's funny because I remember that Ty Lopez ad dropping in, on YouTube. I think, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you the, the time frame, but it was well after I had started, as you mentioned, pursuing music. And to your point, yeah, like music, I always saw, you know, r- rappers specifically being entrepreneurs. Um, I just didn't take it as seriously. I, I didn't have that mentorship. I didn't have that guidance. And I didn't see other people doing the independent thing well enough um, as an artist now there's plenty of them, right? And I can mention a couple in this episode. But um, going back, yeah, I think um, I think for for me, man, like um, I'm forgetting the question. Sorry, <laughs> my mind my, my mind went elsewhere. The the question was just have you because you've been in the game for longer than I have. So have you noticed oh, yeah, yeah. it gain in popularity and become like more and more trendy? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, thank you for reminding me. Yes, yeah, so Ty Lopez, right? So Ty Lopez came in the into the scene. And then internet money, like internet um, online business rather, exploded. A lot of people came into the scene after that. I remember PBD, Patrick David dropped a a day in the life of an entrepreneur video. That skyrocketed his social media that like put value attainment on the map. Then he started putting out a ton of content, business related content. Um, Then you had a lot of these gurus that kind of came on the scene. And then we're talking about, you know, running Facebook ads, SMMAs, you know, agencies, um, you know, you had just different types of online business models that you, you didn't really see before. And that obviously that was kind of like the gold rush because of somebody like Ty Lopez that really put that on the map. Mind you, he was doing stuff beforehand. It wasn't just the YouTube courses. Like he had already built a dating site online. Like he had figured it out long before it was popularized, but that's when it really became popular, became a trend. And all of a sudden I started seeing guys doing similar things to what I was already doing. I just didn't know that there was a space for it enough to the point where they could be successful. Like I think the first dollar I made online was probably back in 2008, you know, and I had, I had made money online, you know, I had sold uh, my music mixtapes, you know, a couple hundred dollars here and there. But like back then it felt like that was kind of unheard of. You didn't really hear people um, as much as you do now, not to say that you couldn't find stories like that, but as much as you do now. And now there's, it's a lot more systematized. You have people, uh, companies like ClickFunnels, you have other companies like Kajabi, Thinkific, who like provide a stable platform for you to actually like create courses and digital products and so on and so forth. Whereas before you kind of had to figure it out and really understand like how to create a site off of WordPress, for example, how to like essentially code your, your websites, how to create your email marketing funnels and all that stuff. Like from from literally nothing right so it was a lot more challenging back then back then but because of that the barrier to entry being so high there were very few people that were crushing it like completely crushing it and it was kind of like low-key you know yeah 100 100 percent. yeah 2008 man that that is early for sure yeah for sure yeah but yeah i think that 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 demarcation of Ty Lopez is probably like pretty spot on. Like that's when it became popularized. Yeah. For lack of a better term, just, you know, started 
blown up on YouTube or social media um, and people started paying more and more attention to it. And if you think of it that way, man, like that means this space is really not that old. Like, like we're still in the early innings, you know what I mean? Like that, that was probably what, like probably not even 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah probably like, like five to eight years ago, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of wild to think about that because when you're, I think sometimes when you're trying to do the entrepreneurial grind, you always almost feel like you're like a million miles behind everybody else, or at least I do, (laughs) you know, like, I'm like, man, I wish I started 2008, you know? (laughs) So, um, but if you, that was the kind of a similar experience that I had when I went to this high ticket sales meetup in Austin the other weekend, I, I looked around and I realized like, oh man, we're like early, like this is early, like, you know, tech sales, enterprise sales, sales in general has been around for a long time, but high ticket, the online high ticket space, it's young, like it's really young, but even yeah, yeah, the internet money thing definitely been around a good bit longer than high ticket sales online, but still fairly young, you know, fairly young. And, and I think, um, for that reason, you know, opportunity still ripe, right? Would you agree? Sorry, I wish I could unmute my mic here. Um, sorry. Yes, I, I would say so, dude. Like, I think when I started on YouTube back in 2007, a lot of the artists and a lot of the people that I used to see, they were purely doing it because it was just fun, right? Um, but then people started to figure out how to monetize it. Eventually, Google AdSense became a thing, and then people started monetizing their YouTube channels. And and so, yeah, to your point, it is fairly young, I do think that there are a lot more adopters nowadays and because the the barrier to entry is lower, you do have a lot more competition, especially like, for example, like YouTube, right? Everybody, you know, and their kid wants to become a YouTuber now. So competition's high, high ticket for sure. Brand new. Like, I mean, that's definitely a a ripe opportunity for the right kind of people. But dude, I was cold calling people back in 2014. Like I was doing that grind, you know, researching prospects you know, trying to get the right decision makers, doing everything like, do we have everything to make a decision today? Like all of that stuff. So that, that framework and that formula has been there, but to your point, like the space is new. So there's not as much saturation where you can go in there and, and, and definitely make a good income off of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just bring it up because I think sometimes, like I said, it feels like it's not new. Like it feels like it's, you're, you're playing catch up all the time. But I think someday we'll look back on 2023 and be like, man, that was, that was the early innings, you know, (laughs) like we were really still just getting started, even though at the time it didn't really feel like it. But so Nico, you know, you've been, you've been a dad preneur longer than I have. Um, so, cause you have a little bit of an older boy, I think than me. So does it get any easier eventually? (laughs) Oh man, I wish it did, dude. Uh, I think it's just a matter of, um, first off, yeah, so my son's five. So I was 26 when he was born. This was back in 2017. And I remember I actually started a dad blog with uh, our, our mutual friend, Lucio, uh, in, in, in an effort to try to monetize that and make that a business. That was like one of our first business ventures, or at least um, uh, business partnerships that I had taken on then. And the idea was cool. You know, it it was just difficult to monetize. We dropped it after a while. It was difficult, you know, to arrange that partnership where we both had competing priorities. You know, we both had full-time jobs. We both had kids. 
and at that point in time, it was just hard to to, to get together. Um, now, you know, I think for me, like because of the fact that I've been able to monetize my skill set, um, partially retire my wife, right? So she like works part time now, whereas before she would definitely would have had to work full time to even just sustain bare bare minimum, you know, lifestyle paycheck to paycheck. Um, because of that, there's a lot more support from the family. And that's something I want to touch on too. It's just that, you know, spousal alignment. Um, now it's, you know, we have shared calendars. So she knows whenever I have something like this, right. I put it on our shared calendar. She gets the notification on her Apple calendar and, you know, we kind of plan accordingly. Right. Or last minute trip to Atlanta. I know you went to Austin recently. So it's like, we talked about it. We we're in alignment. We figured it out went for it because it, it seemed like a good business opportunity for the business. But in the beginning, dude, it was rough, especially with the music thing, going back to that, like there wasn't that much alignment. And because I was putting so much effort, money, energy into it, and it, we weren't seeing the immediate fruits of it, there was, it definitely was not ROI positive. Um, it felt like, you know, running up a, up a hill where I was running up the hill and my wife was walking down the hill, you know? So we we're going two different directions. So um, a lot of it is, is just environment. And then of course, you know, there's externalities where it's like, yeah, like the kids are going to be difficult. Like as, 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 as they get older, it's, it's more demanding. Their, their schedules become more demanding. Um, so finding the right pace to grow is another thing too. And just having that patience, it's probably going to take you three, four, five times longer than like you've mentioned before in a couple episodes, those young guns, right. That have the flexibility and have the focus and clarity and determination to do it while they don't have those, those responsibilities. But frankly, you know, for somebody like me, I get distracted very easily. So I'm glad that I have these parameters to work with. Otherwise, if I was free and clear of responsibilities, I'd probably be doing stupid stuff on the weekends. You know what I mean? So I think it's it's a balance of both. Does it get easier? No, but I don't think entrepreneurship is meant to be easy. And that's one of those things that it's like, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it and everybody would, you know, would be crushing it. And, you know, we, we obviously wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd already have had it figured out, you know? <laughs> True, true. Well said, man. Yeah, you, you hit on a couple of things there that I want to dive a little bit deeper into. So remind me to come back to the idea of the shared calendar, because I might need to get some more information about that so that I can do the same thing. But um, you mentioned that as your kids get older, their, their schedules get more demanding. That is not something that I have really experienced so much yet. Um how does that eat into, you know, you, you being able to do your grind? Uh, it's, it's always adjustment, man. Like I, I feel like as soon as we, we are, um, in a flow state or, or have figured out or adapted to kind of the new routine, something happens where, um, I'll give you a actual concrete example. So my son started swimming lessons recently this, this year. And, um, he was able to move up a level. So now his classes went from, uh, I think it was Wednesday uh, evenings to Monday. And then he started a uh, faith formation. So that's, you know, that's a program within our church. So it's like, he goes there now on Wednesday. So then I have to, those both, both of those days during that four to like six time frame, that time block, I have to be with my girls. So I know I have to block at additional time outside of, you know, um, obviously regular dad duties to be with my girls. Right. And so it eats up into my working hours. It's, it's a challenge, but I always account for 60 to maximum 90 days worth of transition time, time period. So three, somewhere between like two to three months. And once I hit that, I know that I'll like, it. things will even out again. Um, but it's just adaptability. It's like having that muscle of like, are you adaptable? And I think 
without kids, like even, even if you don't have kids, I think you have to learn to train that, uh, that adaptability muscle when things are not going your way with your way and be able to pivot quickly, uh, with a business. Cause it's sink or swim at that point in time for, you know, for your business really. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Being adaptable will serve you well, no matter if you're an entrepreneur or not. Right. So, yeah. or you know, if you're just a dad, because right? <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. going to change over time. So yeah. how long you've been doing the, the shared calendars thing? That sounds like a good idea. Um, I would say, uh, I think we started last year and the primary reason why was because my wife works per diem. So she's a per diem, uh, physical therapist, uh, PRN. Uh, so her, her schedule will shift. Like it won't be every single week. She'll have the same days that she works. It'll be different. And then she'll put a different location. So she started putting that in a, in a shared calendar, uh, sometime last year, the year before. And then, um, anytime that I would have, uh, commitments outside of like the nine to five quote unquote, um, I would go ahead and add those in there Monday through Friday and or Saturday, um, to share with her. So that way we knew collectively, okay, you're going to work these days. I'm going to do business stuff during non-work hours these days and so on and so forth. Uh, and it's helped a ton, man. And even for me, like I, I definitely have a tendency to get distracted easily. So if I don't have something on my calendar, chances are I won't get done. And chances are I'll probably fill up that time watching like Alex Ramosi for like an hour and a half on YouTube. Right. (laughs) So I have to have it on my calendar, number one, and the shared component obviously makes it easier for us to like, know exactly what, you know, when we're going to have to take care of the kids versus the other person, like taking care of the kid. So. Yeah, man, that that's, it seems so simple, but I think that that's such a great tip. And like, I'm not doing that for instance, like yeah. it's, it should be easy enough to implement, but um, yeah, I mean, if you could, go, I imagine if you could go back in time and tell yourself, Hey, Hey, do a shared calendar, like three, five years ago or something like that, you would, you would have for sure told yourself that to that point, like if you could do it all again, like when you first had your first kid, um, would you do anything differently? Yeah, man. I think, you know, it's, it's going back to the whole, I I know this sounds like woo woo, whatever, but like, first off it's mindset. Um, mindset starting from there is like knowing what's possible, knowing that you can't achieve it, having this level of kind of acknowledgement of like there, there, there are things that are abundant out there. Right. Um, instead of having this scarcity mindset. Number two is like, not all that glitters is gold. You know, there's a lot of people, gurus out there that flash the cash, the, this, not the third. And it's so easy to get wrapped up into, in, in what other people, what their success looks like rather than seeing like your strengths for what you're worth and then honing in on those and your interests. Right. Um, but between just understanding the mindset thing, understanding that like not, it's not always greener on the other side. And then number three is like, I've heard you say this time and time again on this podcast is like, there's so much to entrepreneurship that is tied into the personal development and, and, and growth component of it that, um, you know, sometimes like whether it's therapy, whether it's counseling, whether it's talking to another friend, somebody who's on the same journey with you, like having that ability to, um, uh, a grasp reality and then B grow from that reality and then take personal accountability, personal responsibility, um, is, is huge, man. Like, I think a lot of those things held me back from there. It's like skill sets, you know, stacking the right skills, not just skill stacking random skills. Right. Uh, and, and, and knowing what's out there, asking the right questions, having podcasts, right. I think 
the conversations like this are invaluable. Like you'd be surprised how much I've learned from your podcast, from our buddy Drew's podcast, even though he's in the dental space, like he talks to a bunch of entrepreneurs on there, you know, dentist owners, dental practice owners who have similar mindsets. And it's like, wow, like I wish like a teacher spoke to me like this when I was in high school or in college or something like that, you know, cause it's like, I don't know. I feel like not like knowledge is definitely wealth in, in more ways than like having capital in today's day and ages. And there's plenty of knowledge out there, free knowledge out there you, that you can tap into if you're looking for it. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I do a, a lot of different things in it, but you know, I, you can't go back. Um, you can only move forward. And so I've been trying to like practice that of like, instead of looking back, yeah, like learning from those lessons and not calling them failures. Right. But then just looking at what's ahead rather than thinking of what I should have done back then. I think that's, that's been kind of like the, the trend for me these last couple of months. For sure. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you, you kind of hit on the idea of like having community or like having support or having just brothers that you can talk to about what you're doing. Right. Like, and I think that that's, I think that that is something I, I feel like is like sorely lacking in the dadpreneur space. For, and that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to do, make the podcast, make the newsletter, make the discord group is because like when you're, even when you're just doing the entrepreneur thing and you're not a dad, like the way that you look at building your life is a bit different than like the average person, like the way that you think about like, you know, getting assets and, um, the way you build your wealth and want to be building your life. Yeah. Is, is just so different than the average person. But then, you know, you be a dad on top of that. And there's just, not that many people that are like that, you know? And so that's why, um, like I said, I wanted to make this podcast so that we could, you know, get together, support each other and have these conversations basically just kind of help each other, support each other's businesses and all that kind of thing. And I think that is huge. I think that's really important. Um, because I think that both of those things being a dad and being an entrepreneur have probably those two things alone have probably changed me the most, um, other than, yeah, probably of anything I've ever encountered in my life, you know? And so the, I look back at myself like, you know, five, seven years ago and like, I'm a totally different person now. And yeah, so I think that finding those, those other people that can relate to those things, <laughs> especially those two things at the same time is just super important. And just like that, just like you bringing up using a shared calendar, like such a simple tip, man. But like, again, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> why am I not doing that? So it can be, it can be, you know, you, you might think that it's something that you're doing or that you're going through that is um, mundane or like people won't get value out of, but just like that, like, I'm like, man, that's a great idea. I need to go do that right now. Um, so I, to that point, man, you got any other nice productivity hacks for, for, that you've come across over time? Oh man. Yeah. So many, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've learned things from you too, right. Just, um, having, I, I think you call them mind dumps and writing everything out. And so much of it is like retained in my memory where it's like, I'm constantly looping through all the things that I got to get done. And so many different ideas is just writing everything down and having like subtasks of main tasks. So like having in software engineering, we call them stories, right? So you have a story, you have features, you have these, um, 
like subtasks of, 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 of features or, or bigger projects rather. Um, I'm probably saying that wrong. So if you're a software engineer and listen, listening, like, please don't hound me on that. But all that to be said, I think, I think just what is the brick that you're laying down today? I think that's been, you know, something that's been helpful for me. So just having the three main things that I'm going to focus on for the day that move my business forward and not just, you know, working in my business, but working on my business. I think slowing down to speed up is a, is a huge, huge, um, unlock for me, meaning that like so much of, of today's modern day is about momentum, which is important, but there's, there's, there's something to be said about the paradox of slowing down to speed up. Um, and what I mean by that is like, we, we can get into like daily action without really, um, recounting exactly what we did and how that actually affected our business to, in a positive direction and moving it forward. Um, cause you could do plenty of things out there today, but if it's not moving your business forward, then what are, are you just buying yourself another job? Right. Which is fine if that's what you want to do. But it's like, if you truly want to be an entrepreneur, you're now like recognizing the fact that you're going to be down, like you're, you're going to be owning systems and processes rather than, um, you know, having your, your, your part-time essentially creating a part-time job for yourself or, or second full-time job. Um, but yeah, as far as the family dynamics go, man, like I think boundaries is important too, dude. Like I, you know, as, as, as a 20 young, 20 something year old, I not having and setting the right boundaries was, was crucial for me. Like if I, if I didn't have like a response to someone right away, uh, I would like get anxious. Right. And sometimes I'm like, you know what, man, like my priorities are God, my family, and then work in that order. So if I fail to like prioritize in that way, then something's going wrong and I need to reprioritize and I have to rethink those things. Could I get further and faster with my business? Um, otherwise, sure. Yeah, that's fine. But like, like I want, I want to, to have a healthy family. Like I want to have the healthy family dynamic. And, you know, unfortunately, like I was telling you earlier, like my, my grandfather had a business, but like his, his family dynamic wasn't all that great. You know, it suffered a lot. Um, so like, how do you, how do you navigate that? You know, as I, like you mentioned, like as a dadpreneur, like what are the, what are the, what are the unlocks there? I don't know that I have the answer, but I think that like, again, slowing down to speed up, understanding that like, there are things that like are give and takes. And we've talked about this before, where there's like seasons where you may pour a ton into your business and may not be able to pour into your family and vice versa. You're pouring a ton into your family, and not be able to pour into your business. Like it's just understanding like that's how it's going to be, you know, for you, you're, you're going to have competing priorities, but sometimes one's going to override the other. Um, I said a whole lot there, man. I don't know if any of those are like actually helpful, but I think it's just like high level, man. It's like, it's never going to be, be perfect. And I think you have to just be uncomfortable with the, uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, no, I think both of those things, like slowing down to speed up, but also navigating like the boundaries that you have with, um, the different areas of your life and your family and whatnot. I think they're, they're kind of related, right? Like if you're going as fast as you can, like 110 miles an hour, um, your family life might suffer a little bit. And if that's, you know, your why, like it is mine or like it is, I imagine a lot of dadpreneurs out there, then you're, you're, it's what are you doing exactly? You know, like you're shooting yourself in the foot. Like you, you feel like you're, you're, you're convinced yourself that the whole reason I'm building this business and hustling and grinding as hard as I can is, is for them, but they're suffering because I'm doing this. So it's like, yeah, you, it's, I think for me personally, that's like a, a constant struggle and it's something that I continue to learn about. But for me recently, like I definitely, um, 
realized that I had been in like sprint mode for a long time and that I need to shift more into it being more of a marathon and need to slow down, et cetera. Like, I think that I've had a lot of urgency and that's not, you know, a bad thing because it, it drives me, but at the same time, it, it's not just me. Right. And that's the whole point of like me talking about the young guns versus the dad for newers is that when you are a father, you are the head of a family and you have, you're responsible for these other people. Whereas like, if that's not the case, then yeah, you can go like 110 miles an hour and like nobody cares basically. And everybody applauds that. Um, and so now like I'm in this position, you know, where I'm like, I wish that I could still do that. And sometimes I do do still do that and then get in trouble for it. <laughs> and I have to pump the brakes a little bit and reel it back in and, uh, you know, do some damage control, so to speak, and figure out like what is what it is that I need to truly focus on to, to move the needle. Like you're saying, like slow down to speed up. Like I think that there's been times in my journey where I've been better at that than others. Like I remember reading a really good book about that called the one thing where you spend a lot of time, like reflecting on like, what's the one thing that I can do today that will get me to my goal in X, Y, Z years or whatever. Um, and that helps. I think when I was doing that, like intentionally spending time thinking about that, I think it helped me planning my day, but like you were touching on a little bit, that idea of, you know, completing a bunch of tasks, I think gives us like that dopamine hit and it makes us feel good. But a lot of times, like we might not really be moving the needle very much, you know what I mean? So I think it, as a dadpreneur, like figuring that out is super important to be able to make sure that the things that you are doing with the precious time that you do have to dedicate to it is actually getting stuff done. Um, so to that point, man, like, do you think, do you spend a lot of time thinking about that? Like, what are the, the most important things you need to do for the day? And then like, how do you plan that? Yeah. I, I, you know, going back to that slow down to speed up, I do try to at least once a week, just clear my calendar out where I'm not doing anything work, work related for at least a period of like 12 to 24 hours. Cause, cause I can keep going and going and going. Right. But if I don't take time to reflect and analyze like, all right, like, am I, am I content? Am I happy? Am I actually progressing? Is my business, like I track all my metrics, uh, like revenue metrics, right. And like in my, my, um, my cash flow, all that stuff, like, how's that doing? How's my marriage doing? How, you know, how are my kids doing? Am I spending enough time with my, my son? I think just, just taking that time to reflect and then taking stock of like, even where I am mentally healthily, like health wise, spiritually, right. Um, how stressed do I feel? Am I getting enough sleep? All those things. Um, I think that starts to then dictate like what I have to cut back on. Like I remember this was a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, I had a client who was uh, challenging to work with, very demanding and paid like, like she, she, she didn't pay a lot. Right. Um, and I thought this was my, going to be my opportunity to get into the, like the YouTube editing space. And, and this is not a knock on her. It's just, it was her, like, this was, where she was in life. She didn't have a whole lot. Um, and I was grinding my ass off, like trying to like appease all the demands. Right. And I was just like, it's not, it's not even worth it at this point in time. Somebody else can take this low, low hanging fruit, if you will, or, or this type of job. Like, I feel like I, it's not even worth the money or the the lack of peace or the time. Um, so I've had to take those, 
difficult. I've had to make had ha, I've had to have had those difficult decisions or conversations rather. Sorry, I can't speak. Um, and and tell a client basically fire a client, <laughs> you know. Um, but if I didn't take stock and analyze it, I'm like, you know, if, if this is worth it, then. Um, I probably would have kept going and, and kept adding more to my plate, more to my plate, more to my plate, sacrificing sleep, having, um, you know, irregular sleep patterns. That's another thing too, is like trying to get to bed at the same time. So I can wake up at the same time every single day. That's another unlock and like measuring like my sleep quality and, you know, the, the sleep amount, like with my whoop, right? Like all these little biohacks as well, like implementing like holistic view of like myself as like a, a human being rather than like a machine. Like I think that's been, that's been super helpful, man, for sure. Yeah. That's all some, that's all a lot of great stuff. Like obviously, yeah. Making sure you spend some time to get away from, from work and just uh, relax, recharge. Um, but something you, you mentioned there, like, I, I just want to clarify, like, so when you're, when you mentioned that you were like tracking the numbers for your business revenue and all that stuff, um, are you also tracking like how much time that you spend like relaxing or how much time you spend with your family and that kind of stuff? Do you track that as well? That's where my calendar comes in, man. Yeah, for okay. sure. Oh, um, okay. gotcha. so I have, I have like color coded, um, spots on my calendar. So like blue is like family time, relaxation time, like downtime, uh, purple is work time. Uh, yellow is our shared stuff, like with my wife and I. So like if she has to go to work, like that's, that's yellow, you know? Um, and then I have like two other calendars that kind of hard to keep track of, but yeah, so I do keep track of that. Um, more so just to ensure that I'm having enough downtime, having enough time with the family, um, and adjusting accordingly. If I'm not having enough time, for example, like working, like maybe, maybe I do have to scale back the family time or the relaxation time a little bit so I can get more stuff done. Uh, or maybe I'm not being as efficient with my time. I could get this task done in 45 minutes, why is it taking me an hour and a half? Am I leveraging my tools appropriately? Which is another thing too, right? It's like, um, I know you've talked about it a lot, Pareto, Pareto's principle, I think I'm saying that right. Um, and then continuously hacking and improving that 1% where it's like, that task should not take me an hour and a half. Like, how can I improve it to, you know, get it down to one hour? Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely tracking is is, is huge. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense, man. I like that. Yeah. For some reason, when you brought it up, I was imagining like an Excel sheet and it's like revenue and then you know, hours spent with family or something. But like with the color coding in the, in the, um, the calendar, I like that. Cause that's that idea. Like you could literally just glance at the calendar and be like, all right, there's enough, you know, green or whatever it is on this calendar for this week. Um, versus, versus not like you could do it pretty quickly that way see that's another good one man like you you got the calendar hacks i like the calendar yeah. hacks <laughs> it's it's helpful dude and i'm telling you man like I, i've even had you know going, going back to boundaries like setting those times or, or looking back at the times where i felt like you know what like and, and this is not a knock to my wife because she's super supportive loving an amazing wife an amazing um mother but there was one point in time where i felt super stressed because i'm like man i'm spending like not that I don't like spending time with my kids. I love my kids, but I was like, I'm spending 20 hours a week, Monday through Friday with my kids, but I'm still supposed to be the primary like breadwinner and run this business. Like something, something has to give where I have freed up. I, I need to free up more time for the things that enable our lifestyle. Right. And having those tough conversations, even with my wife. Right. Um, and, and then coming up with like, okay, let's do the system where instead of you writing it down on a piece of paper and, a, and, and your pad, like now you're 
doing it on 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 the shared calendar instead, right? Um, and having that agreement. So, um, so yeah, having those conversations with your wife, man, with your partner, with your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, like wherever stage of life you're in, I think it's super crucial, man. And I, I mean, I love, I know you're a Hermosi fan as well. And like, I just, I, I really enjoy watching the dynamic between Layla and Alex because it makes me see like, okay, like I didn't marry Layla, right? I married my wife. Um, but there are certain things in their dynamic that can potentially be adapted to like your relationship and having that open to conversation and dialogue with your wife. Like ultimately like you're, for me, business is a, is a, is a means to an end. And like you mentioned earlier, it's the end is a family, right? And so if, 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 if it can help my dynamic with my wife, if it can help us have a shared mission, which is another like key point in like going into like a little bit of a tangent key point in like divorce statistics, like marriages that don't have a shared mission in mind have a high likelihood of divorce. Right. So when we have that shared vision and mission, whether it's through business, whether it's through raising our kids, whether it's like whatever it is, volunteering, like it just, it just makes for a more fulfilling life. Um, and it just so happens to be that like my wife like shares and kind of like the passions, like I was doing a video shoot the other weekend and she's like super supportive. She's holding the camera uh, she's not a videographer. She doesn't like have that creative like spark, but she, she was just happy to like be there and share in that and see like my drive, my passion, like how I was directing everything. Um, and she showed, like, she told me, she's like, wow, I'm super proud of you. And I don't know, that just felt like, like the pinnacle of like entrepreneurship where like your wife is super proud of you. She's there with you. Your kids are there. Like you're working together. Like to me, I'm like, oh, this is what it's all about, but it's not always like that. Right. So, um, but yeah, man, um, I think that dynamic, uh, definitely, plays a huge role. And then having those systems in place, the calendar predominantly um, to make sure that you're managing that appropriately. hundred percent, man. Yeah. So the calendar then sounds like it came out of having those crucial conversations with your wife. So that was, you know, something that you found through, yeah, not trial and error per se, but through necess- necessity of your, your life situation, being a dadpreneur. But I think the most important thing that you just said there was that idea of having a shared mission, like a shared vision, because that will bring together anybody, right? Like not just husband and wife or a family, like having a shared vision or mission, like that'll bring together like nations or anybody, any group of people really. Um, So I think, yeah, man, that that's, that's huge for sure. And that's why it's so important to be on the same page. Like you were saying earlier, like, it feels like you were going up the hill and she's walking down the hill type of thing. Um, if that's the feeling, yeah, man, you got to fix that. Cause like we were saying, if, if your why for being a dadpreneur to begin with is your family, like you got to get them on board, man. Cause it's going to be so much more fun, so much more fulfilling. Um, if that's the case, rather than you just constantly telling them, Hey, I'm doing this for you. And you know, you're crying in there like, but I just want to play catch in the yard or whatever. So yeah, man, um, that's huge. I think that that's, that's really big. And that's why, like, I think, um, you know, some episodes way back there, I talked a little bit about the idea of like a family business, like how that used to be more common, like way back in the day, you know, and that idea of like everybody working in the business and having that communication, seeing every each other every day and having that that shared mission to make the business grow and thrive, I have to imagine would have made life, family life, just much more cohesive and 
quite honestly, just better, you know, back then versus like this idea in our modern society where it's like, all right, daddy goes to his work and mommy goes to his work and then school kids go to daycare and then we all come back at night and talk about it or whatever. It's, um, yeah, it just seems so fragmented in comparison. Yeah, no, you're right, man. And I know, I know of, you know, a few episodes ago, I think it was Matt, Matt, the broker or somebody else that you interviewed who mentioned, you know, it doesn't always work well when you work with family and I get that. So like, it's not a one size fits all approach, but I do think that there's something to be said about like entrepreneurship in terms of like ownership where you have like, you have not only the autonomy, but the responsibility. And so like when you clock in, clock out of a day job, not to say that you don't have that, that level of responsibility, but I think again, that, that level of ownership, like you're cultivating something. So maybe your wife is more interested in what you're doing because you're building something for the family, for your community, you're contributing to your community, like your local dental practice, right. Or your luck, your, you know, your local tire shop who's owned by, you know, Bill and Sue or whoever it is like, you're right. Like there's at least they're, they're more ingrained, you know, in their local community. They have to be because they're serving that community. Um, and then eventually, you know, the kids get involved and they either want to be a part of the business or not, but then they, they also see, and I've heard many of your, your episodes where, you know, like dad was, was an entrepreneur himself and, and they, they, they kind of gleaned off that and they're like, okay, I want to do that, you know, in the future. And, and now I have like multiple businesses and an ice cream shop or what have you. Right. So it's like, it's cool to see that and how it affects your kids as well, as opposed to like, you know dad was just bitter because he never lived up to his full potential and he was just a grumpy old man. And like, he never, he never did anything that he was like really proud of. Like, I, I don't want to be that type of guy. You know, I don't want to be somebody who like talks about stuff and never does anything about it. Um, and I've just seen so many, you know, guys, a couple of generations, you know, before me that, that, that feel like that's kind of like the cloud that they have hanging over their head where like, they just, they just never, they dreamed, but they never tried. And then they just kind of lived in the shadow of that. You know what I mean? hundred percent, man. Yeah. What it reminds me of that. Um, I don't know if it's a poem or what, but that, um, the man in the arena, like, mm. I, I love that one, man. I, I've been thinking of like getting that some type of little wall art of that or whatever, because I don't know, it just hits hard whenever I read that one. But you, you mentioned the idea of like, having that impact or being that inspiration for a, a kid or your kids to one day, you know, do it themselves or whatever. And yeah, I've seen that in lo- so many of the people that I've interviewed on the podcast, yourself included, right? Like for your own journey. But the one that I think that m- had the most impact on me when they said it was um, when Hector Perdomo came on and he told me that like his dad, like never really made it. Like he, he was sort of a failed entrepreneur. Right. But like he really expressed, it really respected the hustle and really respected that he did chase his dreams and stuff. And so I was like, man, that's, I, th- I just thought that that was powerful. Like even the fact that like, he never really quite like made, got found success. Whereas like Hector did, um, that's what inspired him to, to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about people who, uh, go on their own and try to achieve something, learn, and are able to take those life's lessons into, um, you know, going back to corporate America, I think it changes you as, you know, as a person, as a whole. I mean, I know, I know directors at my company, you know, the, the, the one that I currently work at that were, that formerly had companies that formerly had businesses, you know, and they were able to take the wealth of that experience and bring it into corporate America to positively affect, you know, their department industry, what have you as entrepreneurs, right? And vice versa. You know, I know plenty of directors who were 
uh, had this um, incubator, if you will, within their job, had enough autonomy to become entrepreneurs, and then were able to venture out. And now they're doing their own thing, right? And so, I mean, it, it's, again, it's, to me, and and maybe maybe I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, like, I think it's a, it's a means to an end. And I think business, that vehicle alone is an amazing vehicle to be in because you have the highest leverage. So of course, it's going to be like preferred, in my opinion, to like grow your wealth, actually create wealth for other people, create employment opportunities for other people. I think it's just an, an awesome vehicle. But that's not to say that that's like where you have to end up to find success, you know, and to your point, like it could be your kids that you hand off the baton to and then they could like completely crush it and kill it and like just do amazing things. So you never know. Dude, I honestly wonder if that wouldn't even be more fulfilling to actually right. see that happen, you know? Um, I've been thinking about that with my own son. I'm like, you know what, man, if I never make it, at least I can be like my son's firsthand mentor on the things to like what I wish I would have had in the, in the world of business, like, and mentor him and then have him have like all the tools and like just shorten the learning curve exponentially. Um, and then have him like go off and do amazing things. I mean, that would be, yeah, that would be amazing for sure. Cause then that outlives you. And like, you know, it's going to be like a generational thing and it's not like something that you built that your kids end up squandering. Like, I don't know, like, I think there's something to be said about that. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't thinking about it from that perspective, but yeah, man. Yeah, it would be nice if they did it like themselves for sure because they were they were watching you, um, right? So it, it, here's last question I want to ask you. So if you had to recommend a book for say say your son, like if you wanted he expressed desire to be an entrepreneur someday, or if you had to recommend a book for um, an aspiring dadpreneur out there, what would it be? Dude, one of the books that made the most impact for me in that vein was Zero to One um, by Peter Thiel. And, you know, this guy's a Stanford graduate, like law school, want to be, you know, top tier lawyer. And there were there were so many mental barriers that were broken in his process of of um, going through Silicon Valley and, and understanding like the startup, how, how they work and operate in there. It's, it's so different than kind of like your traditional career path and mindset. And I mean, he gets into it in the book and I'm not going to like, you know, misquote it here, but basically he's just like, you know, you don't need, um, this type of education. Like in the world that we live in nowadays, like you can literally make something, um, that will impact billions of people. Um, and we have the resources to do so without having to like, you know, stick to these parameters or these constraints. So zero to one is a great book, man. I think, I think, I think just to add to that, and I know you just asked for one book, but like, uh, believe it or not, man, there's, so this, this whole thing called agile manifesto and agile methodologies. There's a lot within software engineering that lends itself to that type of thinking that is, is so, it's somewhat contrarian, but it can help you not only in terms of like your vantage point perspective, but also like systemizing, like how you work, when you work sprints, right? Like we were talking about sprints, like there's a, there's a, the actual thing called sprints in software engineering where they built in iterations, right? Building out in public. So, so many things that I think could be applied nowadays, even to like boring businesses from this type of um, thinking in software engineering, uh, you know, in startups and whatnot. And, and whether you have a brick and mortar business or not, whether you're college educated PhD or not, like it can break you free from a lot of the old ways of, of doing business and um, hopefully get you in, in the right path in like what's, you know, 
the new oil, the new, you know, gold rush, uh, which is, you know, what, what we're doing right now, podcasting, internet businesses, so on and so forth. So yeah, the, that, the, those would be my two recommendations, zero to one and learn about agile, the agile manifesto, agile method, methodologies for sure. That's interesting, man. I haven't, I haven't, I've heard about zero to one. Um, and it's been on my Amazon list for a long, long time, but I never got around to it, but I, I need to check the other one out, the agile manifesto. I just wrote that down. So I love it, man. I'm glad I asked you that question. I got some good books yeah. on my list now. All right. So Nico, um, if somebody would like to find out more about you and you have your own podcast, um, or if they want to work with you, where do they go? Uh, ntsmedia.co for any and all business related, um, inquiries. I do run a small podcast for the artist preneur. It's called the music preneur podcast, ramping back up season, I think five now. And, uh, yeah, launching a new podcast service. So I'm excited because I know that this platform has given you a lot of opportunity to meet other, um, entrepreneurs as well. And I've seen how well it's worked for lead generation. And so many of your guests have, you know, spoken highly of having their own podcast and how that's done. So I want to empower other entrepreneurs to um, essentially do this, right? And so I'm actually setting up a course. Um, I've already kind of got the skeletons of it. I'm working with a business partner of mine. We're going to do like a done for you service and a done with you service. Um, hoping to ramp up um, kind of the the framework there um, uh, to be able to support as many, as many people as we can. So uh, that's in the pipeline. But uh, for now, ntsmedia.co, man. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. The Kavanaugh podcast, but I've said it before, I have to say it again, but it's been the best thing I've ever done in terms of blowing up my network. I've met all types of people all over the world, really high value people um, that just literally want to come on to your show just because you have a podcast, you know, and it doesn't even have to have that much reach before you start getting some pretty cool people. So highly, highly recommend it. So take advantage of that, guys. If you're listening, go check out um Nico's stuff, especially when that course rolls out. And guys, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about doing the dadpreneur thing or making the jump from employee to entrepreneur, please do so. We highly implore you to do so because I truly believe that the world needs more entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs solve problems. So join me, join Nico, make the transition from employee to entrepreneur.